Welcome in. We are live. Beautiful Wednesday night. This is the Extra Point Podcast with the College Football Experience. We are the College Football Experience. I am Gus. That's Will. That's Cody. Thank you for joining us. How are y'all doing tonight, fellas? Man, I'm excited about this episode. We've been working on this one for all week. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff um, to discuss tonight. Cody, man, how's your week been going, man? Doing pretty good, fellas. Ready to talk some football. Ready to yeah, talk some football. But, but before we talk some football, like and subscribe to the video, man, to the YouTube channel. Share us on Facebook. You can tune in the next day on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Will's killing it on a TikTok game and on the Instagram side of things. So give us a follow. Give us a subscription. It's free at the College Football Experience. We would really appreciate that. Man, there's a lot of teams coming into 2023 that have hype around them, that they had really big performances last season. And just like I said, they they have the hype trains rolling on a couple of these teams, playoff conversations, playoff potential, playoff hopeful. And we're going to be breaking down some of those teams we think could be disappointments this coming up season. Some of them are in the South. The other one is out West. Which teams do we think are going to be disappointments, y'all? I think the first team we need to start with it's a rocky top, the Tennessee Volunteers, man. Why do y'all think <laughs> this team is going to flop in 2023? Well, first we got to look at what are their expectations, right? Um, got a lot of guys coming back, got a pretty quarterback. Everybody seems to really love for some reason. Um, big arm. Uh, you know, he came in the Orange Bowl last year and absolutely killed it. Uh, which is, you know, totally understandable. But their expectations for this year, I would say, is probably finish second in the East and close the gap to Georgia in that game in Knoxville. You know, go in, beat Florida, uh, probably lose a game to Alabama, but be be in contention to win the East in that Georgia game. And one reason why I just think is the quarterback is why I think Joe they Milton. will not. Yeah, why I think. Joe Milton was the reason why I don't think they're they're why I think they're going to flop this year. Um, I just I've seen a small sample size. I just bowl games just uh, you, you just never know if you can get a if you play a healthy team or not. A bowl game just doesn't mean much to me. So I think Joe Milton's going to be the reason why they maybe lose a few games. Um, we've discussed this before. They've only beaten Florida twice in thirty something years. 40-something years in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Um, they they got about three other games they need to – they got to watch out for. The Texas A&M game yeah. um, is a crazy one. The Alabama game, they're going to be looking for revenge. We discussed that last week. And then the Georgia game. Um, and plus, you just I just don't know about their weapons um, coming back. They lost a few guys to the draft. So, it'll be interesting to see. Man, Cody, what do you think about them old volunteers? Well, you hit on it, Will. I mean, everybody knows Joe Milton's the, the guy, you know. So can he get it done? I think uh, it's been important, you know, what you talked about as far as what are their expectations. I think Tennessee fans probably say our expectations are to win it all, obviously. But I realistically – win total is what? The nine and a half? Nine, 
Yeah, so nine and a half is where Vegas has got you. So basically, Vegas is telling you you're looking at nine and three, maybe, yeah. or or better, obviously. Um, and I'm thinking that we're going to see kind of a continuation of last year. You're going to have a really good offense. You're going to have not so good defense. Um, I do think they'll be better as far as defensively, you know, but not, man, we spoke on how much – how quick the offense runs and you got a guy like Joe Milton, who's crazy athletic. I'm not a big believer in Joe Milton. You know, I said that plenty of times. I, he can make us all look stupid, man. That's we just, yeah. Tennessee's had transfers that, that come out. Right. So, I mean, as a, um, as a transfer, Milton, has got everything you want. I mean, he's huge. He's six, five, two fifty, or two forty. You know, he's got a, a literal rocket for an arm. Yeah. I mean, sends them to the moon. This was, um, so he's for, he's from Orlando and, you know, us following recruiting like we did, you know, I was hoping he was one that I was kind of hoping Florida would look at and, uh, looked like he was going to be a a jam up dude, man. And he's kind of bounced around. I think he's, you know, he, he's got the keys now, but like Will spoke on, he's kind of, he's kind of unknown. And one thing that specifically on him, just Tennessee, Joe Milton himself is we know he's got a rocking arm and we, everybody knows that, but college is not about how hard you can throw it. And we've seen that plenty of times, right? We've seen that with the Will Levis and the Anthony Richardson last year, where these guys throw it so hard, it's almost too hard for the receivers to catch. So is that going to be something that Tennessee runs into is, you know, are the receivers going to step up, you know, brewing them guys, are they going to have what it, what they need to get over that hump? Like we talked about, can they beat Georgia? Because is, last- Milton, is Milton as good as an athlete as Hooker was last year? I think he's I, a, I think he's a little bit better of an athlete. I think he's a better athlete, but I don't yeah. think he's as good a thrower. And you I know, when think he came he out has a better arm, but it's everything fifteen yards and in. That's always been his his handicap. Because you you even saw it. It was a little clip that was going around on social media he went to the barstool office and was throwing a ball in the office and like almost ripped the skin off the dude's hand yeah because he was throwing it so hard and he even missed the dude standing like 10 feet away in the office yeah which which is just a little goofy video but i'm i mean that's always been his issue is the is the dink and the dunks where you see like you have to have them is he like Matthew Stafford ripping the gloves off the hands? Yes. How He's got he a dynamic it? arm. But and so to put it in perspective, and this is not to hate on Tennessee fans because he's I mean, he's a jam up QB. I, I wouldn't mind him. I just wonder can he live up to that height? But to put it in perspective, so he transferred the, the same year uh Finley and Levis did, right? Well, he was two spots down from Finley, and we know how people feel about Finley. So if that tells you anything, can he pop? Yeah, everybody. Everybody depends on system, but from what we've seen so far, that would be my, maybe if they don't do it, this is why. Right. Or it could also just be because the defense just lets them down again. I mean, they almost let them down in the Alabama game, but the offense bailed them out. They sure as heck let them down in the South Carolina game. That was just atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely terrible. So, I think since their defense cost them last year, I think their defense could definitely cost them again this year. 
Well, speaking I of don't defense, even I don't even think they really added much to their defense in the portal, right. really. I mean, um, that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, have they improved on that side of the ball? I mean, they're going to score points, but I think Georgia kind of gave everybody a blueprint on how you can kind of stop these guys um, if you got the athletes exactly. to do it. If you exactly. got the athletes to do it, because that's something about the um, Josh Heupel system that's just a deviation of what Art Bryles ran at Baylor. I mean, they they put the guys on the sideline. They spread you out, and then they expose a weakness. And we if you, you don't really have one, like Georgia doesn't, then good luck moving the ball. But but if you have that one linebacker that can't really cover in space, if you have that one corner that's having a bad day, they're going to roast you. Yep. They're going to absolutely roast you. So a team that struggled on defense out on the West Coast and kind of a coach that has struggled with defense for a while, we're, we're going to take a look at the USC Trojans. They have sky-high expectations this year. I think they have playoff or bust expectations just because you have Lincoln Riley that's been to the playoffs before. This is the second year there. They've killed it in the portal twice. They've killed it in recruiting twice. And you have a quarterback that just won the Heisman Trophy, and it kind of wasn't even close. And you are bringing him back, and they're loaded in the wide receiver room. They got uh, Lloyd, the transfer running back from South Carolina, who's good. But, man, that defense, that defense is rough. So I think USC could be a team that could definitely flop. And even them going – 10 and 2 and losing in the Pac 12 championship game again. That I think would be a flop. Or maybe not even making the Pac 12 championship game just because of the nature of that conference this year, Cody. I know you kind of like Caleb Williams. You drafted him first overall. Hmm. Tell me why you think USC could flop. Uh you spoke on a couple of them, but just to kind of piggyback, so one of the biggest things, you know, Caleb Williams is dynamic. We know that. Um, but we haven't typically seen a Heisman come back, right? Like normally right. they're winning their Heisman their junior year and then they're gone. And Lincoln's never had one come back. You know, Very everyone true. that is one with them, they're, they're gone after. So how does he treat Caleb now? Does he kind of put more on his shoulders? Does he expect more from him? Do we get that kind of letdown? I mean, as a Florida fan, like when Tebow won it, you know, that, that – bowl game and the and time after like it's just a lot of pressure on you like how does pressure. dude how does Caleb handle that um so that's one of the things I think Caleb is really good and I don't worry with that but that's just one of the things to watch out for so you know you've got even bigger eyes on you everybody's expecting you to go to first of all like yeah. there's a lot of stuff with that so you know some kids you know it's a diamond it, either either you the pressure helps or it hurts so I think that's that's one thing. The second thing is the transfer portal, man. Like, yeah, they've got a lot of kids. They got a they got some good kids. I mean, they got uh, uh, they got Bear from Georgia. That's somebody that people would know. Bear Alexander, the D, um, the defensive lineman. Um, but they've lost a ton of dudes, and some of the guys, like you know, anybody that that watches our show that keeps up with college football knows some of these names. And Kyle Ford is one of them to me, man. He's a he's a wow. receiver that was really good. I mean, yeah, he got hurt, uh, but he went to UCLA. Yeah. Uh, you had 
multiple safeties and DBs leave. You had multiple uh, wide receivers leave. <laughs> I mean, they've they've had OLs leave. And, you know, like I said, they, they got guys back, yes. But that's one of those things that's it's kind of hit or miss as far as gelling with a team, right? So every year is different. Every schedule is different. Every team is different. But then when you mix new guys in that have to learn a whole new playbook, learn how to, you know, fit in. Some guys that, you know, are coming in to make make the team better. Some guys are coming in because they're they're toxic in the other place. And, you know, does that affect them? There's a lot of things. But me personally, if USC was to flop, I think it would be mostly because they don't live up to expectation because expectation is so high. Mm-hmm. But also – majority of just the Pac-12 being good, man. I mean, we're not really yeah. – I'm not really used to seeing a, a Pac-12 like this where, you know, UCLA is good and Utah is good and um, Oregon's good and uh, USC. And you got – I mean, there's a Washington, bunch of teams. That, Oregon State. I mean, they're loaded. There's a bunch of teams that could win, dude. I think you guys kind of mentioned it here. Um, I mean, their last half of schedule is absolutely brutal. I mean, it is brutal, which last, is something that I was going to touch on. Their last six oh. games are at Notre Dame, Utah, at Cal, Washington, at Oregon, then UCLA, and then yeah, the next week's gone, an off week. I mean, and those dude, are those, some good offenses, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, let's not forget that USC was dang near like in the hundreds. They were that, close that, to 100 in total that, defense. That they were 106 in total defense. They six point. Five, three yards per play given up, and nearly six thousand yards. Okay, so then you add defense. that. Yeah, so you add that to the guys they that they left. I know I don't have it wrote down. I know they've they've lost at least three corners and and a safety. So yeah. how good are those guys? Where do they stand? I don't know. Did they get better? I don't know. What I do know is Lincoln Riley's never had a good defense, right? So it ain't Not it ain't really. gonna change this year. Man, man, the Lincoln Riley effect is he just never had a good defense, even when he was at Oklahoma. Um, can he improve right. up front at USC, you know? And one thing I want to see is how can they um, protect Caleb Williams? You know, is, is, uh, yeah. is offensive line – He was on line, a lot last year. Yeah, is offensive healthy. line going to be better, man? If you can keep him up and keep him healthy, dude, he can get you there. But, right. Cody, you kind of mentioned this, why I think they can flop is the outside noise. Can they keep the outside noise out and focus on what they're doing? Stay healthy, play your game. Don't try to do nothing crazy. You don't have to win another Heisman Trophy, and just take it one game at a time. But man, you guys kind of hit on USC pretty good, man. But it's all based off can the defense improve? I mean, essentially. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, if they don't, they don't. Then guess what? They probably will miss the Pac-12 championship because. Yeah. I do agree with Gus. I think their playoff team are bust, um, but they got to make that Pac-12 championship first before they can think yeah. about playoffs. So they need to win. They need to get to the championship game first and then win that game, get to the playoffs. And this is kind of a sneaky stat when you look at USC in 2022. They had six one-score games that they participated in, if you count the bowl game, and they went four and two in those games. Well, one of those games was the regular season loss to Utah, and the other one was, of course, the bowl game to Tulane, the Cotton Bowl. But four of those six one-score games were on the road, so they really, they were, they really kind of struggled on the road last year. Were able to pull it out, 
But, man, getting back to what you were talking about with their schedule, Will, the at Notre Dame and the at Oregon, two two teams with incredible front seven depth on the defensive side of the ball could really kind of give them trouble on the offense. Notre Dame and Oregon both have really good quarterbacks. Sam Hartman and Bo Nix, they have weapons around them. They got good offensive lines, going to be able to bully that USC defense. So those are the two swing games for USC, I think, just because of looking back on the way they performed on the road in 2022 and kind of looking at their schedule. Let me ask you this. Do you you think the playoff committee respects the Pac-12? Yes, I think Maybe. they should this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, granted, they, we don't know what it's they, gonna look like. But. You know, a lot of the country does not respect the Pac-12 at all. Yeah. So does USC? Well, it don't help. Go, it don't help the freaking the the track record they in the Yeah. Well, I think last year you could tell they were trying. They're trying more to make the East Coast watch the Pac-12. Yeah, because um, they're putting the that, games on earlier. Yeah, they're putting them on like at 3.30 and 7.30, so you can mm-hmm. watch them. Um, does USC need to go undefeated make the playoffs? No. no. Cody? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you you have little room, but, I mean, every every team has a little room. I mean, with, you could say Georgia can't lose more than one game because of the schedule. So, it's yeah. kind of, uh, I guess, if they're, if they're a two-loss, I don't see it. No chance. Well, no, I think uh, this might be the one of the most competitive years we've had um, from like two to eight. Like where they're really, those teams are really close. I think Georgia's at one, and then you got the rest, uh, everybody else. Yeah. I think we're all kind of really close. All, all the two to eight's really close, and USC's in that, um, in that bunch, man. I, I think they can maybe lose one game, but it's got to be close, man. And you got to get over that Utah hump. Got to, um, got to get over Utah, man. God, you can't lose to them again. If you lose to them again, then, ooh, you definitely ooh. ain't gonna make the playoffs because you're probably gonna lose to Oregon. They get Utah at home, so that's really, really big. What's, they get they they get Utah, UCLA, and Washington all at what home. stinks is most of their big games are in the second half of the season. Yeah, so like they don't they They're don't get it early. They don't get it early, and then they work and win the rest of their games. They get it; it's they're late. So, yeah. but we've so seen cool teams though. make jumps. But we'll we'll see, man. It's exciting. Yeah, man. And these teams are littered with transfer portal players, transfer portal quarterbacks, transfer portal wide receivers. Who are some of the transfer portal players that happened in this cycle that are going to make the biggest impact? On the 2023 season, there are loads of them. This was a pretty crazy transfer portal cycle. wasn't the craziest one we've ever seen, but there were surely some really big names that splashed this transfer portal cycle. And one of them, to me, was Ernest Hausman, kind of a lesser-known name. He was a true freshman last year at Nebraska, had 54 total tackles, one sack, one fumble recovery, Really not that much, but he was a highly rated guy out of high school. Transferred to Michigan. Really going to be a staple on the Wolverines' defense this coming up year, and I think he's just going to be a star. Of course, he has a lot of potential and on a team that's the past couple of years has had a pretty good defense. So he's one of 
my key transfer portal players. Will, Cody, who are some of y'all's? Um, my first one I want to discuss maybe I guarantee not a lot of people know about him, but his name's Denver Harris. Um, transferred to LSU from Texas A&M. He was part of that best class ever of that A&M guy. Uh, just kind of just didn't work out. I don't think it was a fit for him cultural wise, and it just LSU was more of a fit to him. Um, he finished with 10 uh, solo tackles. I uh, was like a rotational corner guy. Um, he's going to be one of those LSU corners that you're going to hear about, and they're going to be claiming their DBU because of this kid. Um, <laughs> they always have some shutdown corners, man, and he's going to be another one. Just add him to the list. Cody, right. who you got, man? Um, so my first one I'll talk about, and uh, all three of mine are pretty known, I want to say. I mean, if you watch college football – um, so the first one I'm, I'm going to go with is uh, Travis Hunter. Everybody knows him. Number one kid coming out. I mean, he played. He's a Georgia kid, so people know who he is. Um, you know, as he soon as he play. hit the portal, yeah, as he soon was. as he hit the portal, people were kind of like, "Hey, where's he going?" I mean, they compare him to Dion. He's he's got good size. He's from Swanee. Like like I said, he he's going to be not necessarily a game changer per se, but he's going to be huge for that team. Um, I think he's going to be a game changer. I he could be. He, no, he, he, he 100% could be. I just think – I think he's going to play with, all three phases. Yeah, he will. But with Cormani McLean probably on the other side, you've got you've got two really good corners. And, you know, yeah, Dion's lost a ton of people. So, the guys that he's bringing in, some of these guys are really key. And I think he's one of them. Um like I said, number one kid coming out when he was as a, a recruit, but he was also the number one as a transfer. So he was yeah. a five star both times. And typically, you don't ever see five stars. You don't see them listed as five stars as a transfer. If that makes sense. If you follow right. a transfer portal, you know typically like a really good guy could still be a three star, four star. So that's my first one. I think he could be huge. That's a great pick. That's an absolute phenomenal pick. And I got two. Big-time wide receivers coming up here. First one is Dante Cephas, was a wide receiver at Kent State in that dynamic offense, transferring to Penn State. They needed a dynamic wide receiver to transfer in this offseason at Penn State. They got Drew They got Drew um, Alar coming in at quarterback. They really needed him, a top-level guy, to kind of go over the top, be his kind of safety net. In his past two seasons at Kent State, he's accumulated – 130 catches, 2,000 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Pretty solid numbers, but he's he's just moving on to bigger and better things. And then the next one is a guy that we've talked about on this show a couple times, Keon Coleman, going from Michigan State to Florida State, joining an absolute loaded offense. I think think he'll be their wide receiver one. Um, Will be. Last year on a bad Michigan State team. I mean, just a bad team. He had 800 yards. Uh, that quarterback yards. was awful. Hey, hey, hey. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And then he had seven touchdowns, 14 yards per reception, though. So in that really bad offense, that's that's pretty good. And think he'll he'll have Jordan Travis throw into him. He'll he'll have other targets to kind of take the pressure off of him too, so I so I think Keon Coleman's going to be a name you're going to be hearing 
called a lot, a lot during Florida State games this fall. Well, Gus, I got an, another wide receiver for you. <clears throat> he transferred. He transferred from our national champs, man. I couldn't believe it. He's made some of the biggest plays for Georgia the past two years. Um, oh, A.D. Mitchell. I, I know who you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, A.D. Mitchell, man. Rumors he kind of want to get closer to home, um, which is understandable. But, dang, I can't believe he didn't want to stay and try to three-peat, man. Uh, but he finished with Georgia with 526 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, just couldn't really stay healthy. Uh, but he found the field uh, in the second half of these uh, the season. And, dude, he made some of the biggest plays, especially in that Ohio State game. Um, helping the game seal the, yeah, helping them seal the deal. And then my last one, um, I am so jealous that Notre Dame got this guy, Sam Hartman, quarterback, transferred out of Wake Forest. He has over 12,000 yards throw up passing and 110 touchdowns. He's so I mean, good, dude. Dude, so he good. is unbelievable. Um, I'm ready to see how Notre Dame is going to use him to see, yeah. like, and play that schedule, and just to see how he can lead Notre Dame this year, uh, a little different offense than he's been used to. So um, it'll be fun to see Sam Hartman. He was probably – I would say he's probably the number one guy in the transfer portal um, that everybody wanted, man. Everybody wants a, a everybody quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> and he was probably the best quarterback in the transfer portal. So um, I think he probably, was the highest-rated quarterback. I, th I think he was the number two player. Was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he was. He's an absolute stud. <clears throat> absolute stud. Uh, yeah, I wanted him bad. Yeah, but I, think, I mean, I mean, if he wouldn't have went to Notre Dame or Florida, where would y'all have liked to have seen him end up? Mm. Oh, Ohio State. <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, you know, Bama was, I think, another spot that he was looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, I wouldn't want Bama to get another – Another quarterback, but good lord. Um, I don't know. I kind of like that's probably the, a better answer because they they, they really needed one. Georgia, so yeah. Um, man, I can't really. God, I just think miss. They, they got like eight of them. him and Marvin Harrison. I mean, yeah, that that'd be pretty cool to see him with Lane. Yeah, he would have did really good. Yeah, I think he, he would have did well in that offense, but he's not a lane. He guy. would, he, but yeah, that's what I. I don't think he's a lane type guy. No, uh, but man, he would do well with thing. Tennessee. I mean, he has the arm. Oh, I just came up with a great answer. A, a team that took a transfer portal quarterback. What if Sam Hartman would have went to Wisconsin? Ooh, them getting Phil Longo from North Carolina. That'd have been fun. Yeah, that'd have been I'd rather him go to Nebraska, honestly. Ooh, true with that. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. We need Nebraska to get that going, man. That's right. Hey, they might be mentioned later in the show. Cody, who are your other two transfer portal guys that you think are going to make a big impact this season? Yep, so Will spoke on a wide receiver. You spoke on a wide receiver, so I might as well pick a wide receiver. So Stick with the trend, I can't believe brother. I'm sticking with his team, but uh, <laughs> God dang. Anyways, um, Dominic Lovett, man, for Georgia. You know, I think he's – I think it's really underrated that, you know, 
And I hate talking positive about Georgia, it, but it's an underrated guy, man. Like people think because he was on Missouri that he he wasn't that good, but dude, he the, was a baller. I mean, he is straight up, man. And uh, his stats aren't crazy as far as like total yards and touchdowns and all that stuff, but he he don't drop the ball. The dude is everything sticks to his hand. So, yeah. um, you know that with them losing Mitchell, um, you know they kind of needed another guy. I think Lovett was a great addition, man. I, I wanted Lovett bad um, because of what he brings, you know. And um, for them to get him, that was that was huge in my opinion. So uh, look for Lovett to be a big name. I don't know, um, you know, how much they'll use him, but I know Beck's going to need him if that makes sense. So. Yeah. I mean, um, that's Georgia's wide receiver room is loaded. Yeah, well, it's one of the best they've had in a while. It's probably yeah. the best they've had since in recent memory. Yeah, so he—he, he, I mean, he's a—he's a guy that's kind of. I think they had him listed as like maybe fourth round before, but now that he's going to Georgia, he's really going to be able to show himself. You know, kind of, kind of be able to pop because that Missouri offense just isn't. Georgia's um, and that schedule is going to be good for him, you know, to get some time to, to rotate some guys in. And I think that's, that's going to be a huge one for them. Um, like I said, I don't like the team, but I do like that player. So that's my, my second. And then my third is a guy that is kind of underrated as well. And that's Devin Leary for Kentucky. It's a massive pickup. I think that's huge dude, because they lose will, and, you know, with them having Cohen come back, uh, their OC, they needed a guy, man. And, and yeah. they've got really good receivers and they've got a good line and they've, they've got decent backs. They just needed a quarterback. And for them to be able to bring Leary in from NC State, man, big time. So he was, I mean, number two, you know, you spoke on uh, Hartman being the number one quarterback. He was a, he was the second one. So um, Leary is, is a dude. And – uh for him to just be able to put touch on the ball, man, I think that's going to be a big difference compared to Will. And I also think he could be a sneaky little athlete more he than is. Will. Yeah. Will's Will's kind that will hit you and not scared to hit you. But I think Leary's kind of like a, a sneaky athletic, yeah, kind of like Burl more, was. You know what I mean? He's a little more like not like slippery is the best word to describe him or like um elusive. Yeah, it's just like I just think of Burrow, man. When Burrow was playing, and it was like he just finds a way to get out of it and makes a good pass. That's going to be Leary, and he's they've got good receivers, like I said. So I think he's going to be jam up. That'll be the reason that Kentucky's good this year. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I, I wish I had him. Leary's good. Kind of like what you touched on. Their quarterback situation was awful. If you watched that bowl game last year, whenever I. Th- I think it was Iowa that they played again. I mean, they scored what, like three, three points, and it was an ugly three points. I yeah. mean, like it looked like they put a cheerleader in pads and threw them out there at quarterback. Oh yeah, like it was absolutely ugly. So, kind of moving on from players, we think that are going to make an impact. Who are some teams that we think could? Kind of sneak into these conference championship games, maybe kind of be a little dark horse coming into the 2023 season. Gonna do one for each conference. We're gonna start with the SEC, Cody. You were 
you, you were just talking about Kentucky. Is Kentucky your team or is it someone else? Hmm. I think if you're looking at the SEC, Gus, you got to look in the West, right? Because the East has nobody. Let's talk. I mean, you got Georgia. Tennessee's not going to make it. That's it. So if we're talking SEC, I think you got to look in the West. If we're talking West, now, mind you, fans and other people listening, we're not, this isn't a team that I'm expecting to win the SEC. It's just a team that I think could be kind of sneaky. And I've hit on them before, and I'd like to hit on them again. They can make me look real stupid come December, but I'm kind of a believer in A&M, man. So A&M is my – that's my dark horse for the the conference because if you think you got Bama and Georgia up top, LSU, you could kind of switch with Bama depending on who you talk to. So really, if those three are out, I think the next one is A&M. People might say Ole Miss. People might say A&M hasn't shown me anything, but – if you know anything about Texas A&M, it's, they have crazy potential. It's just reaching that potential. They're ultra-talented. Dude, and the game's not played on paper. I get it. But let's not forget they had a top 25 uh, overall defense last year, and people kind of forget that, and then they yeah. they forget what they have on offense. I mean, that wide receiver group is one of the best in the, in the – I mean, it's top 10 in the country, in my opinion. If you know what you're looking at, dude, they've got some dudes. If Evan Stewart finally comes out of his shell, man, that's going to be a, a tough one. And they've got guys everywhere. And now, now they got a quarterback? Like, I think A&M could be a little sneaky. Yeah. I also have Texas A&M for all the reasons that, that you mentioned. The only reason – that I think they won't will be because Jimbo is going to take the reins of the offense and or too early, too early, or their offensive line was bad last year. And it really wasn't because of their own doing. They had injuries. Can, can they stay healthy on the offensive line? And I think if they can, and, and, and kind of like you were saying, they hold the same production from their defense, their, Quarterback Connor Wegman kind of steps up and improves and develops, and then their wide receivers hit. I think Walk it's out. I think it's important to remember. And before you go, Will, I think people think about A and M and they think, oh, they're bust. Like they they ain't good. They lose to people. That. But let's not forget, dude. They had injuries. They had they had some turds on the team that that uh, Jimbo was having to deal with and bench them and they had they were in the media and they're they're kind of rolling the, the roller coaster of they're good one week and not good the next so like i said the potential is extreme for them what do you think will so you know we're talking about how they can be a dark horse in the conference right so how can they make it to the sec championship game well first is you kind of hit on this be more consistent on offense um let bobby petrino do his thing he's been very successful coaching offenses. We talked about him before at Louisville, Arkansas. Man, he can coach offense. Um, <clears throat> you know, they were 93rd in total offense last year. I just want to see more production. Like Gus kind of mentioned, the offensive line and then the quarterback position. Um, I think your quarterback kind of can take you anywhere where you want to go, man. If you want to make it to the SEC championship game, he can take you there. Yeah. Um, but these are kind of my key games. I think if they're going to be a dark horse – they got to at least win three of these games. So you got the Alabama game. It's at home, okay? So they're coming to Texas A&M, which is good. 
Then you got to go to Knoxville. Bama don't play good on the road. Yo, Bama doesn't play good on the road. Then you go to Knoxville. Okay, can you beat Tennessee in Knoxville? That's going to be really tough. Yeah. They're really hard to play there right now. Um, then you got LSU at LSU. You just oh. beat LSU last year. Okay, which but people forget. Playing, they, they, people forget A and M beat them. Yes. Spanked them. Spanked yeah, they them. kind of they put it on them, dude. Yeah. They played a really good game because, um, because it was kind of like pointless, and LSU was sleepy. still LSU in it. There. People people forget that A and M put it to on them, man. Uh, LSU was coming off that Bama win, and exactly. they kind of were. Oh, yeah, they were a little overlooking A <laughs> and M. Um, and then lastly, this one might be a surprise to people, but the Ole Miss game is going to be kind of big for them. It's in Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. See this one being like a noon start. Um, this one might be one of those. This is late in the season, kind of. So this will be one of those you're going to have to get up and get ready if you're going to be this dark horse. This might be one of those games you need to win to seal the West. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of my key games for them. You guys kind of mentioned how they can be a dark horse. And I just think take care of business on offense. You got the talent all around you. You've recruited really well, man. It's just putting it all together and finishing. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, and like I said, sorry. No, you're good. Yep. I was just going to say, and like I said, man, the, the defense is there. It's just a matter of getting that offense consistent, really, because mm-hmm. – you know, twenty second overall in in total defense, that's good, dude. That that's better that's than Clemson solid. was, and that's just a hair worse than FSU was. So they're not bad defensively. Can can, can Jimbo give the reins up? That's the biggest question. You know, me yeah. and Gus have talked like, how long does he let it go? If it, if things do start going bad, if if A and M isn't what we think and they tank again, how long does Jimbo say? Yeah, I'm not going to start calling plays because it's going to – I mean, he's going to pull them back. So, does that help them? Does that hurt them? Like, if they can just get consistent in offense, they're going to be a tough team to wreck with. So, And I th- I think we could see that come to fruition really early in the season. They play Miami at Miami week two. So, we can maybe see that there. Kind of t- touching back on some games um, that you were talking about, well, I think a big game for them too – is that neutral site game against Arkansas because that game is all it's something about that game. I don't know what it is. It's always really weird. I think it's because Arkansas is typically physical. Yeah. Like you don't expect them to be physical, but they are. It's it's just real gritty and grimy and just like uh, just a tough game. I would love to see the stats in that game. How many times the the favorite has won because – it can't I can't like, I'm not gonna go too deep into this, but we have we have to pick this game every year and we all face each other. We'll get into more than that in a later episode. And I swear we know ne- I never pick the winner. <laughs> I'm always I'll go the opposite, or I always pick AM and Arkansas somehow wins the game. Yeah. Um Some craziness happens. But dude, that game is always a toss-up. It's a weird game. Like yeah, you said, so I mean you just never know. So I mean, there's just so much that has to go Tyson Adams way, I think, for them to make the conference championship game, but that's why they're a dark horse. Yeah. Getting into second best conference, I think, in the country, the Big Ten. Man, there's a lot of teams that I think could be dark horses. And for this conference, since the East West split is so <laughs> heavy towards the East. Yeah. It, 
I think we should say the dark horse should be to win the conference because the team's coming out of the West. I mean, you're going to have a a crappy team could come out of the West because it's happened time and time before. Man, who are y'all's dark horses to have a really good shot to win? Well, to win the Big Ten? Or, is... or, or to be competitive in the conference. Okay, well... Two different. Well, this is a whole different scenario. So I think I'll hit on, to, I'll hit on one. You know, I'll hit on one. A dark horse to win it is Penn State. I mean, that's an easy one. Yeah. I mean, they got a breeze of a schedule till they get to Ohio State. But I think somebody that can go in there and challenge it is Iowa. Oh. Uh, I think they got a transfer quarterback from Michigan, Cade Mac- McNamara. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I got that one right. Here's a stat for you. They were 130th in total offense last year. They were terrible on offense. Garbage. Terrible on offense, dude. I mean, coach is going into his 26th year. Um, Man, they avoid Michigan and Ohio State, so that's great. But they do play Penn State, and then they they go to Penn State, and they go to Wisconsin. I think you got to split those games, and then I think you can kind of finish maybe 10-2. and because your schedule's kind of a little easy. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not very hard. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think Iowa can win the Big Ten by any means because you're going to have to go play one of those three teams in the East. Um, I mean, Penn State would be my surprise team to win the Big Ten because mm. um, I think Ohio State and Michigan, they're obviously the two favorites. Uh, Penn State's the third. Um but, yeah, I think Iowa can compete in the Big Ten, but I don't think they can win the Big Ten championship. Cody, dark horse, Big Ten. I do think – so, Big Ten, you always think Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, if we're not talking about those two guys, realistically, man, for me, it's Penn State. I mean, they're just – they're good. Um, and Iowa's good, too. I mean, that's not a bad pick. I just the, – the way they are on offense, can they fix it? I don't know, but Penn State's been kind of, kind of good f- for a while. I mean, they they're they're having trouble getting over that hump too. But yeah, I mean, looking at stats, yeah, looking at stats last year, they had a top twenty uh, offense and then a top ten defense with uh, Matt with Diaz. So um, Manny's got them them doing right. So I, I do trust that defense more, and that's something you know you kind of need in the Big Ten when you're facing those Ohio States. Um, I think they got a really good roster. They've got a dynamic back, a dynamic corner. They've got everything they need. Um, the schedule kind of lines up. I mean, they don't have a really crazy schedule. I mean, they do play at Ohio State, which is going to be obviously their biggest game. And other than that, man, it's it's kind of like everything's in front of you. So yeah. if they can just put it together, man, it could it could get kind of hairy in the Big Ten, I think. Best case scenario, you go two and zero in those games. But I think if you can just split, split them, if you yes. can split them, dude, you can make the playoffs. Yeah, because I mean, you're probably in the second or third best comp in the division in the country. Uh, probably the second this year. So if you can just split them, you I can probably be a, that. You can. They be have enough. Sneaky, to be Iowa, dude. You, so you if can, they can beat Iowa, even if you lose Ohio State. Kind of where, where's Ohio State been then? Because like we talked about before, they don't have it all together either. So realistically, yeah. it's 
you know, it's the the room is there to move up. I mean, yeah. I think you could have Penn State. They could go eleven and one. And I mean, they've been left out of the playoffs before, but if you go 11 and one in what I personally think is probably right now, probably the best division in college football, just because it's so top heavy. And we just lost 3,000 fans. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, but but I think if they go 11 and one, you would have some upset. So, so who do you think? Out. Who who are we thinking? Penn State, you got a better chance of beating at Ohio State or beating Michigan at home? No, you have a better chance of beating Michigan because That's first home. of all, you've out recruited them two years in a row. Oh, so yeah. you got the dudes. Um, it's just going to be who, loaded though, dude. I'm just. That's just what I think. I think you got a better chance of beating Michigan than you do Ohio State. Yeah. Plus, you get Michigan home. at home, and you get Michigan at home. And it's it's a day. I mean, it's a noon game. The yeah. only thing is, you're oh. going to know what you got in your quarterback and Drew Aller by the time you get to Michigan. I mean, you're going to know. Very what you much got. So. I yeah. mean, he's going to be the starter by then, unless he gets hurt or something. But I don't be think. Your dude. I think another reason, and I agree, but I think another reason why you can beat Michigan more than Ohio State is Michigan's not a dynamic offense. They run the ball good, yeah. yeah. And that's what that's what it takes to win games, but it's easier to shut their run down than it is to pass, right? So yeah. if – I think Manny Diaz knows enough about defense to, to game plan around them rather than Ohio State, if that makes sense. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's easier to shut that running back or running backs down rather than look at Marvin Harrison Jr. and look at these other guys they got and say – Okay, I'll try this. So I mean, I will say while you're on the road, Penn State does have some of the best duo corners in the country. Oh, they're 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 jammed up. But that's why that's why I think it's easier for them to stop the run, though, is because they can put them on an island and kind of yeah. That's kind of one of those things. Now Marvin's going Marvin's going to get his no matter what, but. It's easier to stop that run than it is a dynamic dynamic. Those might be the best corners Ohio State plays till they get to the if they make the playoffs. I mean, it could be the best corners they play. I mean, King is really freaking good, dude. If you're Penn State, you kind of trust those guys to put them on an island with Marvin and say, "Hey, you think you're the best? Well, there's the best right there, buddy. So let's let's go get it. And let's and then let's go pressure the quarterback because I mean. Let's face it, well, that, dude. All three of these teams have a breeze of a schedule till they get to play each other. I mean, yeah. they're all going. Well, to that's be- another. That's another thing with Ohio State too. Is like, yeah, it's Ohio State. Yes, they have guys. Yes, they're gonna they're gonna score. But if they can get that production from those corners, like we're talking about, and you're, you're putting Kyle McCord in that position as a as a new guy, and that as a big time game, like Manny knows how to dial it up. Like if you don't know who Manny Diaz is, the dude knows defense. And so he's gonna bring that heat. And he brings it. So if he's got those type of corners, man, it's open. I'm not saying they're gonna win the division, but you talk about a team that's a dark horse, that's one. That's that's gonna be such a fun division to watch. And just to touch on it real quick, the team that's my dark horse in the Big Ten. I love corn. Everybody knows that. I'm going with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Man, I, like I think it. I think that's a true dark horse just because you're getting rule in there. It's his first year coming in. 
He's really not shown great production in his first year at Temple, and then he didn't show great production when he was at Baylor. But I'm kind of hoping that the transfer portal kind of makes him able to jumpstart that team because they did hit the portal hard. But for Nebraska to be able to be a dark horse, Iowa and Wisconsin are going to have to underperform. I don't, I don't think that Nebraska can really do anything of their own besides control what they can control and then let the division kind of crumble around them and then just being the ones left standing when the dust settles. I, I like that pick. I just don't think they have enough to, to go far with. Right. Because like you spoke on, the Big Ten's heavy, man. It's not – we know. But I do think they are a sneaky team, if that makes sense. They do dodge Ohio State and they dodge Penn State. I think they go – I think they get Michigan at home. I'm pretty so, sure they get Michigan I mean, they, at home this year. They're going to make they're gonna make some noise for sure. They'll at least be a bowl team. I Rule, think. Dude, Rule's going to get them right. I, I hope so. believe that. Man, moving back down south to the ACC, my dark horse team is the Duke Blue Devils with my boy Riley Leonard at QB, one of the best QBs in the country that no one really knows about. They return, I think, I think they I think they lead the country in returning production or they're really close up there in it. I mean they return. They okay. So I think Duke's at least top ten in returning production. They bring a lot, a lot back. They do have a tough schedule, but with all of that returning production and them getting Riley Leonard back at quarterback, I think they could make some noise. I really, really and you have the divisions are gone. In the ACC, so Which I mean, is huge. they open up the season with Clemson too, so that could go one or two ways. Clemson could be rocking and rolling, and they're they hit the ground running, or okay, Klubnik and Garrett Riley aren't on the same page. They really haven't developed the wide receiver position like people have hoped that they would have. Their offensive line might might not be what people are hoping that it's going to be, and. Duke could beat Clemson week one at Duke. And I think I think if Duke's going to make noise in the ACC, that's almost a must win. Will, you don't look impressed. <laughs> no, that's <it's> not. <laughs> yeah, it's a real dark horse right there, buddy. Hey, I'm, I am sticking to the meaning of the segment, baby. Dark horse. Um, <laughs> this team was is probably the third or fourth best odds to win the ACC. Um, I think after Clemson and Florida State, there's a big gap between the other ones. Mm-hmm. And this team is kind of well known because of his quarter because of their quarterback, but the North Carolina Tar Heels with Drake May coming back. Um here's the deal about them. They're gonna have an explosive offense. We know this. Um, I mean, with Drake May, even though they got a new offense coordinator coming in, uh kind of scares me for that South Carolina game they open up with. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they can kind of get it rolling in that game but last year they were 116th in total defense it's mm, terrible ter- it's terrible man um so here's some kind of like the key games i think that can help them out they i mean this isn't a conference game but the south carolina game they open up with it if they can win that game dude they can get some momentum and they 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 play these two games back to back in november they got duke at home which i do think that's a key game Duke, baby. Even though I don't think Duke's a dark horse, but um, 
<laughs> Next, they play Clemson at Clemson. Ooh. So, I think, gosh, I think you, you got to go maybe 2-0 and in those games so you can go to the ACC championship game and maybe play Florida State because you they avoid Florida State completely. They don't play that's them. Big. So, that's, that's big. So, their ACC schedule is really not that tough, man. Um, those are the two big games. I feel like if they can get through those two games, and they're late in November. So they kind of got – they can maybe be, you know, 7-1 and one at this point. Man, they got an opportunity to really make that ACC championship game run. I don't know if they can win it, but I definitely think they can be somebody that can make some noise and uh, be in that game in December. Well, kind of what they did last year, they were – they only had one loss, but like they were really ranked low in the AP. People were kind of sleeping on them just because that defense was so bad. And then they got to the end of the season and they crumbled. They absolutely yeah. crumbled at the at the end of the season. So 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 kind of like you were saying, winning those games or at least being really competitive in those games at the end of the season is gonna be really important. Yep. Cody. Cody. Who you got in ACC, man? ACC, Dark Horse, bring it. So, obviously the two in the ACC spoke on Clemson, Florida State. More than likely going to be one of them, right? So, if it's not those, a team that I think could be sneaky and or a team you don't really want to play would be – I think we'll just do it up, you know. Yeah, so Louisville for me is is there. Um, if you haven't been following Louisville, they made one of the biggest hires uh, in the offseason by bringing Jeff Brom uh, home. He, you know, he, he come to Louisville. Uh, they lost Malik Cunningham, of course. Uh, they lost him a well, um, but he inherits an eight win team, man, and they got some talent. And I think when you bring in the Purdue and Cal Jack Plummer as a quarterback, oh yeah, baby. He, what can he do? You know, the, the Georgia State transfer in Thrash uh, at receiver. I mean, they were tied in first last year in the ACC for scoring defense, so the defense is not terrible. Um, they've got some some all, uh, all ACC defenders. Uh, they got a pretty good uh, corner and uh, DL, but they're all gone. So where does that where does that put them? Uh, we don't know. I mean, they got they got some transfer guys in. They I think. I was reading that they lost 25, but they also gained 25. But the 25 that they got in were ranked – they were ranked better than the 25 that had left. So, yeah, you get more talent, but is the cohesiveness there? Does Brom show – I like Brom. I think he's he's a a great coach. coach. Yeah, so can he kind of make some noise in the the ACC? I, I went back and forth between them and Pitt. I know how you feel on Pitt, Gus. I don't think um, they're going to be much. They got talent. I just don't believe in their – I really don't like their coach, so maybe it's kind of biased. I just don't really believe in them, man. And I think Louisville typically recruits well. So, you know, if I'm picking a team like that, I'm I, head coaching matters, right? And then the dudes matter. So he's kind of got both of those. Um, you know, talking schedule, they don't have a tough – it's run a cakewalk, for, bro. And the they ACC? don't have a tough run for a while. You know, they, they do play Notre Dame, which they get them at home. But, dude, the first five games is just kind of like, hey, let's figure it out, you know. And then they do yeah. go to Pitt and they do play Duke. But also they play at Miami. But we don't know kind of how some of those teams are going to look. So is Pitt a, a good or no? We don't know. Is Duke going to continue what they did last year? We don't know. Is Miami ever going to figure it out? We don't know. So 
schedule-wise, realistically, isn't bad. So They avoid I mean, they, FSU and they avoid Clemson, right? Both of them, yeah. So that's they, they, the two insane. hardest teams in the SEC. I mean, in ACC, you don't even play them. <laughs> that's I big. mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, you you do have Notre Dame, which is a game that they're going to be. They're they're not going to win Notre Dame, but yeah, they could still be a sneaky team, man. Oh yeah, that's a great pick. Those are really good picks by both of y'all. Going to the other coast, the Pac-12. Kind of touched on them when we were talking about USC earlier. I think this is going to be the funnest conference to watch too bad a bunch of people won't watch it because it's going to be played so late but you best believe i'm going to be staying up and watching these games because these games are gonna be some bangers grade a bangers dark horses there's about six to seven teams that have realistic shots i think there are Six teams in the Pac-12 with win totals of eight and a half or better. That's insane. Like, that is insane. So, who do you think is a legit dark horse in the Pac-12? Dude, the team I picked, I could not believe they had the fourth best odds to win it. And it is the back-to-back Pac-12 champs, and it's the Utes. Oh, yeah. The Utes. (laughs) The Utah Utes, man. I can't believe it, dude. I, How are you going to pick them when they're going to start 0-1? Well, oh. well, that, that's not a conference game, buddy. <laughs> Very true. That's fine. They can start 0-1. They do have a tough <laughs> first two games. They play Florida, then Baylor. Yeah. I uh, think they play at Baylor, too. At Baylor, dude. Which is yeah. not an easy place to play. Kind of underrated. Here's the thing about them. Cam Rising had an injury in the Rose Bowl last year. Is he going to be back for the Florida game? If not, he'll be definitely be back for conference play. Um, he's a dynamic quarterback. He's really good. Um, his play, he's going to have playmakers around him. He lost his uh, favorite target in the tight, the tight end. I can't remember his name, but he got drafted I think this it year. Was Dalton Kincaid? Yes, that's, that's exactly who it who is. Was. Yes, um, we kind of touched on USC schedule, but U- Utah's is just as brutal. They got UCLA at home. They go to USC, Oregon at home. Then they go to Washington. Those are all back to back to back to back. Four game oh, stretch. That's tough. I mean, that's going to be tough right there, man. If you can go three and one in that stretch, I could see you making it. And Utah can win the Pac-12 championship. This is one of my teams who I picked that I think can win the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really good on offense. They were 17th in total offense, and then they were 27th in total defense. So, I think, man, can they get over the hump? Obviously, they can win the Pac-12, but, man, can they win the, the Rose Bowl this year, man? They just – they've come so close these last two years. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, Utah's my dark horse. Cam Rising is really the uh, the main reason why I picked them. So, if he can stay healthy, if he can come back be healthy – um, and play like he's played the last two years, man. There's no reason why they can't do it again for a three-peat. I love Kyle Whittingham as a head coach. <laughs> I mean, I he, he's gritty, dude. He's kind of he's what people think Mike Gundy is. I could see that. Like, I think that Kyle Whittingham, from what I can tell, he's a stand-up guy. If I had kids, I would love for them to play for Kyle Whittingham. I mean, he really values toughness, and it shows in his football team. Man, oh yeah, they're they're physical, dude. 
Yeah. I love Utah fans. Uh, they were really nice. Man, we got a chance to be around them, man. They were yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah. I mean, we we got a vacation out in Utah last year, dude. It's such a nice place. The people there are super nice. And then we got to hang out with them at the Florida game in September last year, dude. Super nice people. Probably the um, nicest people I've ever met out west. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Them folks in Colorado can be a little snobby. <laughs> Cody, yeah. who's your dark horse? Pack 12. We've been on this team. At least me and you have. Some people going to call us crazy, Gus. But uh, hopefully, me. I thought this team would be a little higher, too. And they weren't. But I'm going to take Washington. I think they have a dynamic offensive team. Um, So they were top 10 offense. You know, I ain't going to spit forever because we've kind of hit on on Washington a little bit. Um, But they've got. A really good quarterback. They've got a really good coach. They've got a just a, a good offensive side of the ball. What scares me is their defense. Obviously, can they, you know, can they keep up? But um, I think Washington can, can really be a team that people are overlooking. You know, <clears throat> if I had to pick a uh, pick a weakness for them, though, they don't recruit as heavily, so I don't know how that will end up. You know, with them losing, I don't. You know, people they've lost and people that, that came in. Um, cause they haven't hit the transfer portal hard either. So I don't know if that's kind of like, are they comfortable with who they have or, or what, but potential is there for Washington. Um, if we're talking schedule, they don't have too crazy. Pac-12 is going to be kind of hard all around, uh, yeah. but their schedule doesn't get hard to the end. So they do go, uh, to USC, they play Utah, they go to Oregon state. Um, but they have enough power offensively to keep up. So with the power, I think it could be, a t- yeah. And I think it, it, those 2000 yard receivers, man, you got one, that's almost a thousand. I think they could, they could really put it on people. But like we said, the pack 12 may be one of the deepest this year mm-hmm. with, with who they have, you know, so that's going to be, that's going to be the only kicker is can they overcome all of those teams rather than like a A&M who only has to overcome a, a few. And something that could hold Washington back is their defensive line. I think that I I think that could really hold them back. They really don't have the depth that they've had in the past. They've 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 always had that one defensive lineman kind of thing of like a Vita Vea that yeah. is the anchor. And from everything that I've gathered this offseason, they really don't have that one guy who's yeah well the only only good thing speaking on their defense the only good thing and it's a lot of their team, but the majority of their defensive starters are all uh, older guys. So, yes. you know, they've got like five or six redshirt seniors or redshirt juniors. So they've been in the program. Uh, if I, you know, if we're looking defensive wise, yes, the line isn't good, but they are experienced. So can they, right. can they put the, that together with that offense? You know, right. I mean, Phoenix is going to score points. We know that. Right. So can the defense just, just help him? Just help me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Man, going to our last dark horse in the Pac-12, my dark horse is the UCLA Bruins. I mean, they were kind of a hot team last year, went up to Oregon, lost, and then they kind of cooled off, lost to USC. I think I think that they lose to Arizona or Arizona State. I think they lost to either – Either one of those teams too, but I mean, this year 
They get Connor Schley in from Kent State as a quarterback, and they get Dante Moore in. He's a true freshman. Either one of those guys is going to start. So they're pretty solid at the QB position. They went and got three or four four-star wide receivers out of the portal. One of the sneakiest portal players that I didn't mention earlier, Carson Steele, running back for Ball State. He kind of looks like Thor with his long blonde hair. He's going to be an absolute stud. Then, of course, they pick him, they picked and popped some offensive and defensive linemen out of the portal. But, man, they avoid Oregon and they avoid Washington. So two really good teams. And kind of like we've been touching on, the Pac-12 I think is going to cannibalize itself this year. I really, really think that they will just because of how close all the teams are. And I think UCLA could be kind of like Nebraska. They could be one of the teams standing when all of that dust settles. And I failed to mention they have Chip Kelly as their head coach. I mean he, who, who people kind of gave up on early, but he's he's yeah. proven that he's he knows what he's doing. I think the transfer portals really helped him out because he's able to go. Because he don't like to recruit. <laughs> yeah, be, be, because he's not a big recruiter, so he can go and just pick and pick guys that he's like, oh, you're in a drowsy little Midwest city. You can come and live in L.A. and compete to win a Pac-12 championship. Yeah. So I think they're primed to make a run, potentially, at a Pac-12 championship. Last Power 5 conference, the Big 12. This was the most interesting conference last year. Absolutely bananas. TCU TCU lost in a nail-biter. Kansas State in a conference championship game. Kansas State is my dark horse. Again, everyone's high on Texas. Everyone's high on Oklahoma. Some people are kind of high on TCU, but people are sleeping on the reigning champs. People are sleeping on Kansas State, man. They're returning their quarterback, Will Howard. I think if they can stay healthy, they're going to be a real contender in the Big 12. Cody, let's talk about your Big 12 team. Yeah, so I don't – I didn't – I kind of went back and forth, man. I, I like Texas, but everybody's high on Texas. I, I wanted to go TCU, but I just – I don't know if they got it. They don't have it. Um, There's a lot of teams to pick from. Because there this, is, man. But this, one of them, this conference is kind I of. I think wide you got to separate Texas and Oklahoma. They were the two favorites, and then you from everyone were, else. Say everybody yeah. else after them. I, mean, I think yeah. you can still go with TCU or anybody just because of the way the Vegas has kind of made it out. Yeah, put the number. Um, so I'm going to choose a team that I do like. Uh, that just recently got here, and that's UCF. So if you don't know, they're now part of the Big 12. Uh, they had a pretty good season last year. I mean, they're kind of decent. Everybody knows who Gus Malzahn is. Um, he, he runs – he knows what he's doing, at least. Uh, he, they're kind of in the 30s and 40s, both offense and defense. Um, I like them because they got some good transfers in. They, they've got a good roster. I won't – take forever on them uh, but if if you don't know um, some of the guys that they have it, they got some speed man and, and like I said they got experience with the coach uh, the schedule isn't terrible I wouldn't say it's it's great I mean they're they're getting you know big 12 teams but 
Um, I like this one just because they're fun, man. They they can they can score some points and they do have talent. Uh, a lot of a lot of Auburn fans don't want to don't want to give Gus his recognition, but they they are winning games, and I yeah. think they could be a team that you really don't want to play. Um, you know, when it comes to to those those Big Twelve, so well, dark horse. Um, I kind of. <laughs> Toss, man, I went back and forth right here between Texas Tech and Baylor. You can't go wrong uh, with either. Uh, Gus, I know you love Texas Tech. Sneaky. Um, man, I'm gonna go with Baylor. Um, I love ah. what Dave. Yeah, uh, I, I love what Dave Aranda is doing over there. What he's been doing. Got a quarterback returning in Blake uh, Shapen. Yes. Uh, threw for 2,700 yards this past season. Had an okay year. They they finished like six and six. It wasn't great, but they were in the uh, the Big 12 championship two years ago. So they do have the capability to make it back um, to be that dark horse team. Um, they don't play Oklahoma, which is nice. Um, they got some home games. They got Texas, Houston, Texas Tech, and Iowa State. Um, some interesting games. Uh, they go to Cincinnati and to UCF. So those so are interesting with- can we speak on Cincinnati just a hair, just because our boy's there? Since Cincinnati's Your not boy. Mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. hate to break so, it to them. So the only thing with Cincinnati is, yeah, they they do have a good quarterback in Emory Jones. Shout out Emory Jones. Uh, they do have a good receiver in Xavier Henderson coming over. That's kind of it. So their 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 roster just isn't there. So. I think they're they're a team you don't necessarily look over, but it's not a team that scares you if that makes sense. So, I think their win total is what is it four and a half? three and a half or four and a half? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, terrible. yeah, yeah. They lost a lot, man. And, yeah. and I, like I said, I, I think Emory's good, and I think he can he can elevate them for sure. But you got to have the dudes too. So I wonder about that, you know. And something with all of these teams, whenever they do make the jump from a lower tier conference to a higher tier conference, or or even just when they teams change conferences in general, it's hard to win off yeah. of the start. The, the, this is kind of a famous saying on the Cover Three podcast. From they always say, if you take the paycheck, you're going to take the losses. And that's what all these teams like Rutgers and West Virginia and all of them have done. They've come up and they've taken the paycheck, but they've kind of been bottom feeders. So I really yeah. hope that doesn't happen to those teams yeah. that jump from the um, AAC to the Big 12, but I'm afraid it might for just a little while. I think UCF is going to find more success than Cincinnati is. Simply because of recruiting. Sure. Same with yeah, I mean, they, I mean, if they get a guy yeah. in there to run it. UCF does a really good job in the portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they like always, 18 uh, last year. <clears throat> yeah, now Gus Malzahn does recruit turd hits. So yeah. let's see if he can, out of it. <laughs> let's see if he can uh, get some high quality guys in there, and they can maybe win a few games in the Big Twelve this year. I think, dude. So, and I know we're kind of running a little over, but I know when I think Gus, man, I think the problem, the biggest problem for me, and I'm not an Auburn fan, and I'm not going you know, just completely bash him. But my thing with Gus is he just hasn't evolved. Like he's still running the same stuff he's been running. And when it first got here, 
Dude, when it first got here, it was it was so dynamic that people couldn't figure it out. But now that people know how to run, like know how to run against it, they can stop it. Well, he hasn't changed, and I think yeah. that's one of the things that hurt him, especially with Auburn. You've got the talent, but you're you're sitting here, you know, Eli stoving it. Like let's let's figure out different ways to get the ball around, and I think that's one thing that hurts him. But being at UCF, he can kind of get away with it a little more. Yeah. Right, you can go back to when he was an offensive coordinator at uh, Arkansas, and the same type of concepts are there. It's just the quarterback's under center. And it's I, the same know, stuff. And that's motions, what makes Saban so everything. good is is he was willing to change. And I think, yeah, you don't get too far away from yourself, but but you do need to evolve because because everybody's finding different ways to get the ball around and do this and do that. And I just don't feel like Gus has done that. And I think that is one reason why UCF will struggle as far as overall. And I will say this, those offensive coaches have a hard time pulling the reins back and letting somebody else call the plays, dude. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's their baby. Like, they yeah, have developed that offense. That is their life's work. And, and I don't know how you felt, Gus, but, like, watching Auburn, it felt like some years you could tell Gus was calling the plays, and then some years I'm like, is he calling the plays? I don't, like – it was it's kind of wishy washy, but they're running the same stuff, so it's like it was to please the boosters. I mean, <sighs> it was just a bunch of hogwash, and we wiped our butt with a hula hoop for about three or four years, and it was a mess. But we're on to bigger and better things with Coach Freeze. Maybe right. good times in Auburn and good times here on the Extra Point podcast with the college football experience. We are the college football experience again, like I said at the beginning of the show. Subscribe on YouTube. It's free. We got some great content coming this fall when we get on these campuses. Y'all are really going to enjoy that. Follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you have missed us, great way to listen when you're driving, when you're walking, when you're just doing laundry or if you're cooking in the kitchen. Great way to consume our content and on TikTok and on Instagram. Follow us there at the College Football Experience. Will, Cody, any last words for we? Tell these fine folks good night. Share our videos, please. Get our TikToks out there. Get our Instagram videos out there. This is the only way we can uh, get more views and get more people to see our content Man. is if we people help us out. Cody, last words. I just want to say I'd like for people that are watching the show to kind of reach out to us, man, because I, I recently today had people that were like, yeah, what time's your show? You know, we do watch it, and I didn't know. So reach out, man. Tell us what we're doing good. Tell us what we're doing bad. Like, let us know. Yeah, let us know. Leave us. Send us uh, just send me a private too. text. Send me a text if I'm doing something bad. No, no. If, if it's something Will did bad, put it in the comments, please. <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> I I have had a great time. And until next time, this is the Extra Point Podcast. We will see y'all next week. Deuces. See y'all.